You're listening to Bad Trip, the true crime and other weird shit podcast where two sisters take you on a wild ride through some of the world's most fucked up places. Each episode, we journey to a new location and explore its sordid past, creepiest urban legends, and landmarks you won't find in the guidebooks. So buckle up, because it's about to be a bad trip. We interrupt this program because the civil authorities have issued a contagious disease warning. Now we're one. Where is your emergency? The U.S. Navy has finally acknowledged that videos appearing to show UFOs flying through the air are real. Initially, many thought the pops they heard uh, were fireworks associated with the show. But soon it became obvious that this was an attack. Hello. Hello. Welcome to episode 11 of Bad Trip. I'm Shauna. I'm Taylor. And today we're moving on from Ohio to the state of Pennsylvania. Yay, Pennsylvania that I knew literally nothing about until today. (laughs) So just to give you a quick refresher about how this is going to work, today's episode, I'm going to give you some background on Pennsylvania, and then Taylor is going to tell us a story from that state. Uh, And then we're going to have three more episodes, and they'll cover everything from wacky headlines to... You know, just some other crazy shit like landmarks and crimes that have happened in Pennsylvania. It's going to be really fun. You guys are going to learn some things. This is an educational podcast. It's basically like going to school. Yeah, like for those of you that are in quarantine or, you know, can't go to college right now, I'm sorry, but just listen to our podcast. Yeah, it's very, uh, we know what we're talking about. Maybe you could transfer it as college credits for like a geography class. Yeah, no, uh, just kidding. We're actually... That leads nicely into our little disclaimer. Yeah. We're not professionals. We get a lot of our information from Wikipedia. (laughs) I love Wikipedia, but I also love other sites. Yeah. We do cite all our sources on our website at badtrippod.com. And we also make a lot of dumb jokes. And this is not going to be a super serious podcast. So if you're looking for that, there's some great ones out there. I recommend Case File. Case File is (laughs) great. I just realized the other day I'm going to be the dumbass on the podcast right now normally but case file i'm realizing is like all facts as if it's a case file as if he's just reading the case file wow that did not cross my mind okay so i'm not the only idiot i was like oh my god that makes so much sense like it's all straight facts i'm like anyways anyways that blew my mind all right so yeah we're gonna we're gonna be dumb if you don't like it that's fine but bye we're gonna warm up today with a little question just to get us in the podcast mood it's like a saturday morning which sucks why are we awake why are we doing this it's because my work is the best and i'm not there all the time it's fine all right so to get our you know our vocal cords nice and smooth and silky mine will never be like that (laughs) my question is uh what is an assumption that people make about you that is actually wrong oh specifically when they first meet you okay i was like "Mm, people think a lot of things about me um people think i'm gay a lot that's true they do they really do i like um I'll be like, oh, I played softball. And they're like, you lesbian? And I'm like, well, no. And then I have like kind of a deep voice and I kind of just like. Like she, especially in the past, has had a lot of guy friends, like hung out with the dudes. The dudes. Yeah. So people, yeah, people think I'm gay. There was a time at my 21st birthday that we were all out on Tybee Island. 
And this woman was like trying to buy me shots for my birthday. And she's like, are you gay? And I was like, no, but I'll take shots. <laughs> and I was taking these apple crown shots. So good. And wasn't she asking you? Yeah, she came up to me because she knew I was your sister. And she was like, hey, is she really is she really straight? And I was like, yeah, she really is. But, you know, I'm sure she appreciates you. I did. I was like, hey, thanks. I mean, not only for the drinks, it was just nice to be like hit on a little on my birthday. Right. And it's way less creepy when a woman hits on you because she's not like licking her lips and doing creepy shit. And like rubbing your hands <laughs> together. But, uh, so, yeah, people think I'm gay. I'm not. Maybe one day. Maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll dabble in, you know, the experimentation of it all. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? All right. What about you? Um, for me, I think the biggest thing is when people first meet me, they think I'm really quiet and I guess like shy and soft spoken. Yeah. And yeah. And I am pretty shy, actually. Like I hate I have a lot of social anxiety. So that's true. But I'm not quiet. That's not true. I'm not soft spoken. I definitely speak my mind. It's like once you meet Shauna and you know Shauna unleash the beast minotaur because straight up she's a not so fun person thank you that's so nice that's the best thing anyone's ever said a not so fun person yeah no but like you know at work my managers will be like hey can you like you know speak up more because they know how you are yeah and they know i have like good ideas to say, but sometimes i'm just like under the radar and then my actually my manager justin he said that i'm like what did he say? I'm like understated funny. Like I'll pop in and say something hilarious. Yes. But like usually I'm just chilling in the background and I'm like, that's my secret weapon. It really is. Because if you're on like a Zoom call and you pop up with people that you're not you know, normally talking to, they're going to be like, whoa, she came out of left field. Yeah. So that's my vibe. I love that vibe. Cool beans. All right. I want to hear about some Pennsylvania history, background, food, facts, things. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of food today. Okay, I'm here for that. I haven't eaten, so I'm just going to be hungry while I listen. All right. So the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania was one of the original 13 colonies, and it was the second state admitted to the Union. Whoa, what's a Commonwealth? Uh, It's basically like a state. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I've heard that, but I actually don't know what it is. So I think like it's also the Commonwealth of Virginia. Some states have that name, I think, because it's supposed to suggest like they're commonwealth is like they're all working together it's more of like a by the people for the people thing and because they were like first here sort of they're like we did all the things well no oh i thought because it was like second state that they were thinking that they would all work together oh like virginia and- i'll explain why oh okay they'll work like among their state like their state is fostering this community of like oh, commonwealth i see okay yeah um so Its nickname is the Keystone State because it played such an important role in the founding of the U.S. So it was like the Keystone that held everything together. The Keystone Light. Yes, that. (laughs) So here's a little more information about kind of the culture there. So it was founded by a Quaker named William Penn, who was, quote, given the land by King Charles II in 1681, which like this guy from the U.K. certainly did not own this land. Right. He had people steal the land from the Native Americans and give it to a white person. Yeah. But still, William Penn, who got this land, was determined to make it a place where other Quakers like himself weren't persecuted for their beliefs the way they were most other places. Wouldn't that be nice if people weren't persecuted for their beliefs? It would be great. But for context, Quakers are anti-war and they're pretty progressive, so they were anti-slavery from the beginning, which oh, okay. that, that shouldn't be progressive, but it but, was. But like, it is and it even would be today. So like, can we at least applaud that? <laughs> right. Um, so honestly, that's all for history. But that's kind of the thing is they wanted to have this sort of community of not just Quakers, but everyone just respecting one another and working together. Okay. I think I like a commonwealth. Yeah, I'm into the vibe. Okay, sweet. 
So Pennsylvania borders Ohio, West Virginia, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, and Maryland. Mm. So it's a really big square state. It's actually not that big an area, but it has a lot of border. Yeah, I saw I was looking at it on a map and I was like, wait, what? Like this goes all over there. Yeah, it's really like just a big chunk in the middle. In Pennsylvania, you can expect cold winters and hot, humid summers, which sounds like a fucking nightmare. Also, that is going to come back in my story. Oh, great. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking of all the terrible things I could refer to. <laughs> God, my, my Google Docs keep scrolling to the top without my permission. Come on, Googs. Come on, Dr. Googs. <laughs> Dr. Googs. It's your Google Doc. I love that so much. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you give me four seconds of silence, I come up with some shit. I love it. Uh, so the most common crops are mushrooms, apples, and Christmas trees, which I thought was really cute. Oh my gosh, cute. Well, I never thought of a mushroom farm. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious how they grow. I actually in you know that game that I used to play um shits uh Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Why I couldn't I think Stardew? of it? Stardew. Stardew. Oh, yeah. Okay. And um you grow mushrooms there and I just grow them in a cave. Mm. So, I'm just going to choose to assume that's how they do it. It's just a big area of caves in Pennsylvania full of mushrooms. Yes. In terms of major cities, the capital of Pennsylvania is Harrisburg, but the two biggest cities are Philly, with 1.6 million people, and Pittsburgh, with just over 300,000. Ooh, Philly with 1.6 million cheesesteaks. That too. I'm sure there's more than that. There's probably, actually, fun fact, there's 10 cheesesteaks for every one human in Philadelphia. Is that a real, like, number? No. Oh my God, I was like, whoa, you have that fact? Oh, I was so lit. I mean, cheesesteaks are, like, being eaten and produced every day, you know? How do you how do you quantify the cheesesteak? Well, think about, you have to survey, take a cheesesteak census. Mm. It's 2020. It's time for the cheesesteak census. Okay. You just ask all the restaurants how many they make, how many customers they have, multiply, do some math, division, square root of seven, multiply, pi. Pi. Um, well, in terms of <laughs> in terms of people, not cheesesteaks, okay. looking at their racial demographics, in 2010, it was about 82% white, 11% black, and 3% Asian, so a little whiter than average, but that's changing quickly. So the state has a fast-growing Latino and Asian population especially a growing Puerto Rican community. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And nearly a third of Pennsylvanians have German ancestry. Okay, keeping with the Midwest a bit. Yeah, exactly. That brings us to the Pennsylvania Dutch. Have you heard of the Pennsylvania Dutch? Yes, but I kind of know nothing. Okay, so that's the name for the descendants of early German and Swiss immigrants to Pennsylvania. They speak a dialect of German that is also called Pennsylvania Dutch. Okay, I I think I've heard of the language is like why I recognize it. Yeah. So this population is made up of people of several different Christian denominations. Why did I write Christina Domination? You know, Christina. (laughs) Christina dominates. Christina Aguilera. Have you seen Burlesque? Dominates. (laughs) Um, I actually haven't seen Burlesque. Bruh. We're watching it later. She won't want to, but I'll watch it by myself. It's a movie. (laughs) I don't do movies. Ew, movies. So there were Mennonites, the Amish, and Lutherans. And so they all came over because of persecution in their home countries. And they made a home in Pennsylvania. How bonkers that this whole world is just running people out of places for what they believe in and then killing them. Yeah, but then once the people get to that place, they're like, I live here now, so now you follow my rules. Right, and then if they don't, they kill them. Right, and then other people have to flee. It's just a, it's a great cycle. It's like a gross cycle. Can that refrigerator meteor please hit the U.S. on Halloween? Yes, Thank please. Thank you. 
So you might remember that when we talked about Ohio a few weeks ago, I mentioned it's the state with the second highest Amish population. I actually do remember that. Nice. Yeah. Well, in Pennsylvania, they have the first highest. Oh. Today, the term Pennsylvania Dutch is mostly used to refer to the Amish community in the state because during World War I, the German language was heavily suppressed throughout the country. And that left mostly just Amish people speaking this particular dialect within their communities. Interesting. Yeah. So today there are around 60,000 Amish people in the state. Damn. That's a lot. Yeah. Also, this um, this is my ignorance showing, but I truly thought that all Amish people didn't use modern technology. And that's not the case, I found out. Because there are like different stages kind of, right? Yeah. There's like different levels of belief. So some people will... You know, they'll have a cell phone. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people won't have any phones at all. Some will just have a phone in their place of business because it's kind of like necessary to keep shit going. Right. Right. So um, that was my ignorance. And I thought that was interesting if other people out there are as ignorant as me. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. But I also think I kind of just assumed. But also, why would I assume? So who knows? All right. So I'm going to tell you about some lingo that they use in Pennsylvania. All right. I am going to say a word or phrase and use it in a sentence, and you are going to guess what you think it means. Ooh, okay. These are the games I like. I love it. I only have two of these, but... All right. So the word is gum bands. When you go to Office Depot, can you pick up some gum bands? Gum bands? Oh, my gosh. Office Depot. I'm too distracted by the G2 pilot pens. <laughs> One millimeter. Um, I think gum bands are going to be... Those like kind of elastic things that you put around your knees to stretch out like you're doing exercises and they have them at Office Depot where they also come with a wireless keyboard so you can do work at the same time. Okay, no, they're just rubber bands. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah. All right. How about this one? Red things up. Kids, if you don't red things up right now, no video games for a week. Ooh, like wrap things up, like finish up your homework. Or... Ooh, that's a good guess, but no, it's oh. actually tidy up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think that's cool. If you don't red things up, I don't know where it comes from, but I love it. Red things up. Uh, interesting. Other things you might hear in Pennsylvania are, well, first of all, yins. Have you heard of yins? I, yeah, yeah. Yins is the plural of you. So like you guys are y'all and it's used primarily in Pittsburgh and the surrounding areas in Western Pennsylvania. It only makes me cringe a little. I mean, it's like, it's just a dialect. But it's like, y'all, like, you know, it's not like you can say it all you want. I don't love it. Yins freaks me out. (laughs) Yins. Yins. Um, And this is more of an accent thing than really language, but they say water instead of water. Mm -hmm. And that cracks me up. So I had in college, my freshman year, I had three roommates in a tiny ass room. It was a goddamn nightmare. Literally so gross. So bad. And one was like a gross Republican. One was a psycho Republican racist. The other one had like an anger management issue. And Same. The third one was fine. Um, <laughs> so roommate, you know, I'm just going to say her fucking name because she sucks. So roommate number one, Becky, she was from <laughs> Pittsburgh and she pronounced full as in fool. So like, oh. man, I ate too much. I'm fool. Interesting. And so I don't know. I couldn't find any information if that's like actually a thing everyone there does, but I thought it was interesting. And then my other angry roommate, whose name I won't say because I think she's matured, was from Philly. And she was the one who was very angry and super into Philadelphia sports. And she would say, Wooder. Wow. I feel like sometimes I hear people from the South kind of say things like that. Interesting. I haven't noticed that. Yeah. Or maybe I think they're from the South and they're from Philly or from Pennsylvania and they just are at work with me. It's like they're more like, Water. Well, right. That's I know that that's a southern one, but I hear people say water sometimes, and I'm like, what? 
<laughs> and I've heard people say yins, which is why it has like freaked me out because it's one thing seeing it written. It's another thing hearing someone just be like, oh, and yins, blah, blah, blah. And I remember being like, what'd you say? Like, huh? I've never heard anyone say that in real life. Yeah, in college I did. Oh, okay. That's why I'm like, Ugh. just gives you like a visceral. Yeah, like... it gives me like the heebs remembering when I first heard it out loud. Um, So, you know, like I said, Philly sports. My roommate was very into them. So let's talk a little bit about them. Okay. I love sports, you guys. She loves sports. Like hockey, football, her favorites. Uh, so good. So Philadelphia sports teams have, in my opinion, some of the world's weirdest mascots. Oh, okay. Will you go to the pictures? You can find these pictures on our Instagram at Bad Trip Pod and our website, badtrippod.com. So this is the first one. This is the Philly Fanatic, and this is the mascot of the Phillies, which is a baseball team. It's described by Wikipedia as a large, furry, green, bipedal, flightless bird. So I think it's like a green dodo. He's so freaking cool. He or she or they. Isn't it cute? Oh, my God. I want to snuggle it. I want to, like, jump on its belly like a Totoro. It is just so big and fuzzy. It just, like, it looks like a Muppet, honestly. Yeah, and I'm loving its thumbs. <laughs> Those thumbs are something. And his little shoes. I know. It's really cute. Oh, my God. All right. Go to the next one. This is Gritty, the mascot for the Philadelphia Flyers, a hockey team. This guy is described by Wikipedia as a furry orange creature with googly eyes who wears Flyers gear. So it's not any specific animal or thing. It also just kind of looks like a Muppet with a big, big beard. I fucking love this guy. Can we be these for Halloween? Oh, my God. Like, I don't care if I'm green or orange. I love this guy's eyes and his weird mouth. All I can think about is being in that costume and how much it makes me want to die. I'm sweating looking at it, but I'm obsessed. It, guys, it has like this, these crazy orange eyebrows. Like, you know when old men have white, disgusting eyebrows that like are like, uh, that's what these are, but orange and cool. And then a long, flowy, weird beard. And I'm obsessed. I thought you're just body shaming old men's eyebrows. It's not their body. Your eyebrows aren't your body. They're your hair. You know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, when they're like wiry and all over the place. It's like specifically on an old white man when they grow straight off their face. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So suck my dick. So now let's move on to food. The most important thing. We've all heard of the Philly cheesesteak, but what are some of the other food staples from Pennsylvania? If you'll go to the next slide, we will introduce you to Scrapple. Ew. Scrapple, in my opinion, is reminiscent of Spam, but I'm sure that would probably offend some people who are very into it. Claudia. Oh, Claudia loves Spam. Oh. Uh, so basically, it's made of all the parts of the pig that most people don't want to eat, including the head, heart, liver, and skin. Not the eyeballs or brain, though, so that's a small consolation. They have standards, people. Yeah. So they mix that with cornmeal, boil it all together, add in some spices, and put the resulting mixture in a pan until it like gets like gelatinized and creates a sort of meatloaf from hell. I am never eating again. Yeah. So uh, it's cut into slices and fried to crisp it up. And it's usually eaten for breakfast. It can be served with a variety of toppings like apple butter, syrup, ketchup, jelly. Apparently it's pretty versatile. I would rather eat military style MREs for the rest of my life than take one bite of that. The one on the right, so I have two pictures on there that you'll be able to see on Instagram and the website, but the one on the right is homemade Scrapple, and in my opinion, looks much better than the one on the left, which is just like a hunk of suspicious gray substance. And also the one on the right kind of, it only looks good because it looks like it could be like an egg quiche kind of, but then when you think about that it's all pig head and meat and butt and ass and dick, like then you don't want it. It's not good anymore. Yeah, I mean- Honestly, it kind of looks like tempeh. 
Uh, I don't know. It looks like some weird egg casserole to me. Interesting. I'm grossed out either way. Yeah. All of it's not okay. Well, don't worry. You can go to the next slide and be less grossed out, hopefully. Mm, I'm not grossed out, but I'm not pleased. Yeah. So this is chicken pot pie. Pennsylvania Dutch style pot pie is more like a soup or a stew than an actual pie. So instead of a crust, they use hunks of homemade noodles to give it some structure. So that's what you'll see in there. There's kind of like like gluey chunks. Yeah. It looks kind of like um, dumplings a little bit. Yeah. It does look like dumplings. So it's basically like a, a fancy chicken soup, I guess. Honestly, like it looks good. I just love chicken pot pie, so I don't want to call it that, but I totally get it. And it probably tastes pretty much the same. Right. This is just chicken pot. Yeah. <laughs> chicken pot. The next one's another nasty one. Whoa. Okay. I'm not going to keep it on this, but I'm fucking horrified. Okay. So this is hog maw. Hog maw is literally pig stomach and it's prepared different ways in different cultures. So in the Pennsylvania Dutch tradition, it's called, I wrote down the pronunciation for this, Saimaga. They stuff, sorry, I'm sure I said that wrong, but I did my best. They stuff a pig's stomach with potatoes, sausage, cabbage, and onions, and it's served with horseradish or stewed tomatoes. Yum. Okay, I'm going to go back to this photo and describe it for you quickly. There's a giant piece of inner pig. There's pineapple on top. It's in a big fucking pan like it's been roasting. I think those are potatoes. Oh, I thought it was pineapple. I was so confused. Is that mold or like spinach? (laughs) Probably spinach Probably not mold. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there's a fetus. Yep. So that's that. uh, Well, if you like that, good for you. Someone's got to eat it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I know it's just we're not used to growing up in a culture where that is a food. And for a lot of people, it's totally normal. So we're not trying to hate on your... On your food. No, not hating on it at all, but more for you because I really don't want any. Yeah. Also, we don't even eat meat Meat. except fish. So So like all the meat, no matter where it came from, is going to gross me out, especially if it's lumped like that in a pan. Yeah, that one is gnarly. (laughs) All right. And last, we have Irish potato candy, which is not Irish and it's not potatoes. Oh, is not candy. It is candy. It's coconut cream rolled in cinnamon to create what looks like a little potato. How cute. Oh, that's just cinnamon on the outside. Yeah. I thought it was like a crust. Nope. So, yeah, there's like some of them are made with cream cheese mixed in with the coconut cream. It's kind of like a mounds candy, really, without the chocolate. That doesn't sound half bad to me. I love mounds. Almond Joy, too. Oh, yeah. What was that bounty, that candy you <gasps> loved in England? Oh, my gosh. Bounty, you guys. It's it's like uh, the best coconutty middle with just dark chocolate on the outside. <laughs> oh. When I visited Taylor when she was studying abroad, we went to like four different Tesco's so she could try to find these bounty cookies. Yeah, they make them in the Tesco. I don't know if they make them in the Tesco. I'm being dramatic. But in my mind, they were freshly making them in the back of the store (laughs) and bringing them out in bags because they wouldn't be everywhere. They would have to be like they weren't sold out that day. And so we went to so many. I think I got some right eventually. Yeah, eventually you did. And it was like the best cookie ever. Man, I don't really remember eating one, but I'm sure it's great. I probably didn't give you any. I probably was like in the corner like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want, we can try to make Irish potato candy. Okay. It's not Irish, by the way. I think I said that, but it's just like they just call it that because. Potatoes. Potatoes. Because, you know, the Irish potato famine. So it's like, why not allude back to when no one could eat and work all the time? Totally. Why not allude back to when people were being systematically like allowed to starve? Yeah. All right, so my last fact is a random one, and it's about the state amphibian. Mm. This is, uh, if you'll go to the next slide and you can see this picture. Oh, my God. It's Reese when she slips under a door. Literally, it looks like my cat when she just, like, becomes liquid. It's like a salamander, like a giant salamander. Yeah, it is. So it's the eastern hellbender, a.k.a. snot otter, lasagna lizard, devil dog, grampus, and more. 
Okay, those nicknames are everything I ever needed. I love lasagna lizard, and I don't know where it comes from, but it's great. And snot otter. Was that the one before lasagna lizard? That's my favorite, snot otter. So this slimy nocturnal salamander can grow to be over two feet long, and it, you know, just like slides around and does its thing. And unfortunately, it's endangered, so if you run into one, don't fuck with it. Oh, why? I think it's more like their environment is just changing and they don't have as many places to live. But this actually just became the state amphibian a couple years ago because some cool teens were like, hey, this thing's endangered. Let's raise awareness and make it the state amphibian so people want to protect it. Teens. Look at you doing good, teens. So proud of them. And it's super duper cute. He's so cute. Oh, my God. It's like wrapped around this person's hand. Like he's just taking a little nap and his tail's up the arm. I love how it's called a hellbender, but it's like a little cutie pie. I know, but it's like, I bet when you get it mad, unleash the beast. Minotaur! (laughs) Sponsor us role models, Paul Rudd. God, we've talked about role models so much on this show. It's like all we care about. It's really like one of the five movies I've seen. Honestly. So that was good shit. I'm all about Pennsylvania. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to hear a crazy story? Sure. All right. Fucking buckle up. All right, time for my story. Credit for most of my information goes to Penn Live, but you can find all of our other sources on our website at badtrippod.com. And here we go. This week, we're going to switch it up a bit, and I'm going to tell you about a natural disaster. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so natural disasters rock me to my core. Because this is going to sound obvious, duh, but like they're unpreventable. I mean, like to an extent they're preventable, but you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like you could have a gender reveal party that starts a fire and burns down half the state of California and that's preventable. But exactly. Um, in general, like earthquakes, they're, they're going to happen. Yeah. And like, you know, things happen because of like global warming and shit, which is caused by us, you know, blah, blah, blah. But but also all this shit's inevitable. The dinosaurs all died, too. So, you know. Yeah, like volcanoes exist, the world is going to end up rubble. And it's probably going to be our fault, but it might not be. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, a natural disaster, welcome. <laughs> anyway, wow, it just got it just got dark. All right, well, I'm going to start with one of my favorite things to talk about, as you know, geography. Oh, yeah, your favorite subject in school. I'm so good at it. I took it three times in college. <laughs> oh my, Wait, three? No, that was government. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> God. So something interesting I learned about Pittsburgh when doing my research is that it's a city in western Pennsylvania at the junction of three rivers. Riveting, huh? I was like, riveting. Oh, oh, nice. Okay, I was like, I guess. You're like, no. Um, No, really, I just want you to keep that in the back of your mind that there's a lot of water surrounding Pittsburgh. Foreshadowing. Dun, dun, dun. There's even a quote on the site Popular Pittsburgh reading, if cities were alive, rivers would be their arteries. In Pittsburgh, we owe the existence of our own city to its three rivers, the Allegheny, Monongahela, and the Ohio. All right. I guess that's something that I don't think about a lot, but a lot of big cities do have rivers like New York, Chicago. What are other cities? Milwaukee's not that big, but that's one, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, cities. Cities. Boston. Like, it, I guess it makes sense because they're probably cities because they were like trade routes or whatever, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the Allegheny River and Monongahela River unite at Point State Park where they form the Ohio River. So that little center there is Point State Park. And then the one river is Ohio on the left. Two become one. Two merge into one. 
Here's some fun river facts for you. So ready for this. The Allegheny River runs alongside PNC Park, which is home of the Pittsburgh Pirates. So many peas in this, and it's like peas are not good for podcasting. They're not. And even as we say that, there's a lot of peas. <laughs> podcasting, penguins, Pittsburgh. Burp, burp, burp. <laughs> She's crazy. Sometimes home run balls even splash into the river where they disappear into the black depths forever. Oh, there's like some mermaid down there like, oh, yeah, bitch, I just got this home run record-breaking world it's fucking it's ariel the mermaid ariel that's how you say it ariel the mermaid and she's down there and she's like thingamagog thing up <laughs> thingamagog thingamagogs i got 20 baseballs i got 20 thingamagogs from that pnc park what do you call them feet yeah thingamajigs oh my god anyway well you know what's funny that you say that is like now i'm thinking of pirates they're the pirates and it's going down to the mermaid it's like it's all connected oh yeah it is dun, dun. okay well i guess that was just one river fact so oh. oh that's it yeah the end the other one was how long the ohio river is but uh but we covered that we uh, covered that when we talked about ohio yeah when shauna talked about ohio that's okay refresh our memories okay well the ohio river is 981 miles long and it borders six states that's a lot of states it's a lot of states it's a long river the end about that in the book great floods of pennsylvania william shank writes the winter of 1935 to 1936 had been one of the most severe that Pennsylvania had seen for years. Huge quantities of snow fell in January and February throughout the state, and prevailing low temperatures preserved it well. So we know how this is like living in Wisconsin. I mean, because we had lived in Wisconsin. The winter can feel so never-ending, and there's like, oh, it's just so cold and bleak and sad. Yeah, and oh, my voice just cracked. Am I going through puberty? Oh, are you? I think so. How do you feel? I feel like a man. Oh my gosh. Um, no, but yeah, it's just like the, all the water is frozen. Everything's just like dead. It's beautiful, but it's depressing. And not to mention like this was right after, I mean, not right after, but it was still recovering from the Great Depression. So then add fucking Midwest winter on top of that. Oh yeah. About to be rolling into some World War II any second. For sure. It's like buckle up. <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. So in late February, the cold spell passed and what replaced it was remarkably warm weather and light rains. This resulted in the rapid melting of two months accumulation of dormant moisture throughout the state, all of which was turned loose on the streams and rivers within a period of about 10 days. Oh, yikes. Okay. And with that, today we're going to talk about the St. Patrick's Day floods of 1936. And in these floods, damage was tremendous in Easton, Pittsburgh, Johnstown, Williamsport, Bloomsburg, and Sunbury, all Pennsylvania metropolitan areas. So before I get into these floods, I just want to let you know, there were smaller floods days before like the big St. Patrick's Day flood. So we are going to talk about the area in general first and like a couple weeks leading up to it. And there are also smaller rivers in the area that flooded other than the three that I mentioned. So I might be saying some other river names, but you don't have to really keep track of those. Okay, so we just know there's a lot of water in a lot of area. Yes, and then once we get done with that, I'm going to move on to the big kahuna. Okay. Apparently, heavy layers of ice as thick as 15 to 20 inches formed on the rivers. Can you imagine that? That's almost as big as my dick. Oh my gosh, you have a huge dick. I know, I know. I just had to make a dick joke. It wouldn't be an episode without one. I know, right? Just got to say it somewhere. No, for real, that's actually insane. Insane. So as the ice started to melt, the rivers rose and the ice jammed. So like 
when the weather warmed up, the ice would break. And because there were such big, like thick chunks, they would start kind of floating down the river and then jam up because where else is there to go? Oh, yeah, because it's not like it melts all at once. Exactly. It just melts enough for it to move and then kind of pile up on each other. And that's called, they say that it gorged. So that's kind of like a jam. Okay, so it's like a dam of ice, sort of. Exactly. So my next thing, at many points, creating temporary dams. You're so smart, Shauna. This resulted in high backup water, which brought heavy ice cakes inshore, causing massive amounts of damage to properties or communities where the jams occurred. So there's just like honks of ice just like skirting up to your house and attacking it? Yeah, because people lived like all along these rivers. So there was a lot of, you know, trading, traveling, people, blah, blah, blah. And people were fucked. Specifically in the town of Dauphin, 10 miles of river ice broke loose and gorged in multiple locations, causing a fuck ton of these little dams to pop up at multiple locations. And everything happened so quickly, like the ice was rushing into people's houses in one of these like smaller floods as it was melting, that people were literally running for their lives to escape this ice flowing in at their houses. That's really scary because like for a split second, I was like, how could ice just do that much damage so quickly? But I guess like if you've ever been in a flash flood or like even seen a road that's flooded, that water moves fast and that can sweep you away. Even if it's only like, you know, a few inches deep, it can fuck you up. And 15 to 20 inches thick. Exactly. So you've got like this fast moving water with tons of ice chunks just coming at you. And it's like the 30s. So your house isn't probably built on a great foundation. I don't know. Maybe it's made out of toothpicks. Like, essentially. Yeah. What are you doing? toothpicks and gummies like we used to do in di gummies you remember making those like you'd use like gummy things oh, or little marshmallows. marshmallows yeah we would do yeah both anyways <laughs> i never did it with gummies i think maybe we did that in class once science class so yeah with this virtually every cottage and home along the riverbank was either completely destroyed or badly damaged by the ice and i have some photos of this and it's not so did people get injured during this um, during this part, I didn't read any specific injuries, but there were injuries during the flood. So I don't know if they counted during this time or not. Gotcha. I would assume that probably like with that much ice chunking at you. Probably. And so many people lived on like the, the edge of the river that it's like it would be shocking for everyone to be able to escape. OK, so here's a picture of the Walnut Street and Market Street bridges. The river flows through them, obviously. And look at all that ice. It's black and white, so it almost kind of looks like rock. It's just like chunks of rock, almost. Yeah, it's crazy. It kind of looks like a marble cake, like, before you cook it. I've never made a marble cake, but I believe you. <laughs> You've never seen one? Not before it was cooked. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's pretty wild. And then I have another one for you, and it's a house with the ice all jammed up on the side of it. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's like... There's a little porch out front of the house, I guess, or maybe out back. And the ice is up past the roof of the porch. It's like a covered porch area. It's like amazing. Like you really would. You're like, how did it get up there? Like it's wild. Honestly, like it looks like there was a an avalanche or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Well, I don't know what. The, honestly, I don't know what an avalanche looks like. It looks like what it looks like in my imagination. What an avalanche would look like is if we knew what an avalanche looked like. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so on March 2nd, 1936, they used dynamite to try and blow up some of the ice themselves, like on the river, the big chunks, so they could divert the water the way that they wanted it to go. 
instead of, you know, it just doing its own thing. Okay, gotcha. So they were basically like, yeah, we're going to blow this up. We're going to try and relieve like this dam, let some water flow the way that we want it to flow. And, you know, maybe that'll work. So the state highway department had already blasted the ice once with 350 pounds of dynamite. And then the second blast used twice as much. And here are some people on the ice with the dynamite. I don't even know what to say to that. Like, look at all the water back there and people are standing on ice chunks and it's like up on this house. And they, I mean, it's weird. They're like these guys in their 20s or whatever, you know, and they like look like they're going to fucking war. Rough life. The ice gorge extended upstream about one and a half miles and some sections of the road near Amity Hall were under about four feet of water. The ice jam was said to be 30 to 40 feet at places. This was such like a big deal and going on that the newspaper featured information about the status of the ice and the rising water every day. It's like the original 24 hour news cycle. Yeah, it really is. Remember at the beginning of COVID when there would be like daily COVID updates and we thought it was just going to be like, oh, we're going to get COVID updates for a while. And now it's like, no, COVID is life. And then some people, it's actually non-existent. It's very weird how that works. Very weird. Imagine if you just were like, oh, this isn't flooding. There's not ice everywhere. And like just lived like that. But yet you were swimming all around. And yeah. Like, your animals were floating away. Oh, my God. I saw a meme that was like these white ladies out to lunch or whatever. And it was like, oh, I can't wait till life goes back to normal. And they're all just sitting out without masks, like in a crowded restaurant. Like you're at back to normal, you bitch. Anyway. Anyway. So I want to give you a few short blips as a little timeline kind of. They're from the Penn Live article, but they're actually quotes from the newspaper from 1936. Gotcha. March 3rd. Winter struck back with a snowstorm yesterday. Snow had reached a depth of 3.1 inches by 8 o'clock last night. The river is expected by C.S. Ling, meteorologist, to reach a stage of about 10 feet this morning, but no indication is evident at the present as to when the ice will break. March 6th. The Juniata River went on another rampage last night and flooded Amity Hall with more than three feet of water, overflow rising steadily at more than a foot an hour. A foot an hour? Yep. That's insane. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. And that was March 6th. So now this jumps to March 19th and the front page, Harrisburg, riverfront hit by 26 foot flood, predict 27 today. West Branch, Juniata drop, Pittsburgh devastated by avalanche of water. Holy shit. Yeah. An avalanche of water. I think it's just called a flood, but okay. Well, it's so devastating that they had to describe it as worse than a flood. That's so it's not just flooding once it like floods and then it'll stop for a while and then it'll fucking flood again. It was that kind of a constant flood until March 17th. And actually, that's where we're at in my notes right now anyway. So it's perfect because okay. that's the start of the big flood. And you'll hear about how it got so crazy. On March 17th, water began to steadily rise, which continued until about 28% of the city was underwater, which was 4 to 15 feet deep in some places. Holy shit. At this point, like, have people evacuated or are they just still living there? I mean, some people are there. Some people have left. But it's like 1936. No one has any money. Like, where are you going to go? Their cars were immediately flooded. Like, you can't really drive anywhere. There are people, like, in canoes in the streets. I mean, yeah, I guess, like, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, like, sometimes you just don't have anywhere to go, and it's not even like, let me just hop on a quick flight over to my sister's house in California. Like, not happening. Yeah, obviously, but I don't know. I just, I guess because it's been going on for weeks, I'm like, damn, did they, like, you had time to get out. Yeah, but not if it happened all, like, basically overnight. 
But if there's like daily updates that it's like, oh, it's 10 feet. Now it's 12 feet. Like, well, right. But once you're in 10 feet, you're already fucked. So where are you going to go? Yeah. The water hit its peak of 46 feet, which was 21 feet above flood levels on March 18th. Wait, how many feet? Say that again. 46 feet. Oh, my God. Which was 21 feet above flood levels. Okay. And just for comparison, a Brachiosaurus dinosaur is 47 feet tall. (gasps) A long neck. A long neck. And if you know, if you don't know how tall that dinosaur is, it's about as long as an 18 wheeler semi truck. Oh, my God. So you like flip that on its butt and that's how tall the water was. That's how tall the water was. I guess also if you think about it in terms of like stories, right? Like a story is about 10 to 12 feet. So mm-hmm. that's like four story building. It's really nuts. Yeah. Wait, is a, is a semi truck as long as a four story building? Guess. Anyway. Now, since the city's pumping station and water filtering plant were submerged at 27 feet, the city was left with only about a week's worth of uncontaminated water in its reservoirs. And that's like if your house isn't flooded. Yeah, right. So I'm like, they were probably staying. I didn't super look into like where people stayed, but, you know, they were probably all bunking together in some place wherever you could live that was kind of dry. I guess so. And like, it's not like everyone had a car back then. So even if your car wasn't flooded, it's not like you can just zip away. You probably don't have a car. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like people have to work still. Like you have to do what you can. I mean, it's crazy. So on March 21st, the water finally began to recede down to 24 feet. So like, yay. Oh, still, still horrible. Yeah. As you could expect, the flood left behind tremendous damage. In William Shank's book, he wrote, Gas mains, water supplies, power lines, highways, and bridges in the area were left in pitiable conditions. For weeks, whole caravans of tank trucks rushed in drinking water supplies to fill the dwindling reservoirs. Water was rationed and boiling was recommended for what little water still remained in the reservoirs. It became almost a criminal offense to take a bath. Most West Shore citizens got typhoid shots. Why are they getting typhoid shots? Because the water, like everything was so dirty that basically people weren't showering. There was like feces all over the place. Everyone was worried that people were going to start getting typhoid and dying. So they brought in typhoid shots. Oh, so you can get it from like contaminated water? Yeah. Oh, okay. Ooh, that's really scary. I just keep having like, every time you say something, it reminds me of something from modern day. I'm like, we haven't gotten any better at this. Because I just thought of like the bringing in the water and like when Trump was in Puerto Rico, like throwing water bottles and T-shirts at people or whatever. I don't know if it was T-shirts, but it was like the worst shit. Absolute trash. Anyway. So now we're at the part where you get to hear a breakdown of the aftermath of the floods. You ready? I I guess. Because you must. 62 people died. Over 500 people were injured and 135,000 people were left homeless. Holy shit. Yeah. With honestly, that's a lot of people dead and injured, but I'm surprised the numbers weren't much higher. I agree. It's like, you know, I guess people did what they could to get out. But like, I don't know, 62 is still in a flood. Oh, yeah. But thinking of how many people were homeless, I'm like, true. You know, it's a small fraction. Obviously, that's still terrible. 62 people still died. Yeah. Yeah. True. So about 100,000 buildings were destroyed. Damage was estimated at $300 million, which today, do you want to guess how much that is today? Um, I'm going to say it's $47 billion. It's $5.5 billion. Oh, okay. Ash went big. Yeah, you did. Go big or go home. Honestly, like a billion dollars, $10 billion, $100 billion is all the same in my mind. Me too. It's like all money that... It's unfathomable. No function. Multiple steel mills suffered devastating damage, resulting in 60,000 steel workers in a 30-mile radius to lose their jobs. 
power was lost on March 17th and full electric service wasn't restored for eight days and trains were no longer able to operate, the tracks were either blocked or washed away by the flood and trolleys had been abandoned with the loss of power. So there was just like trains in the middle of, you know, floating away and like the literal train tracks floated away. It's just complete wreckage, like no more infrastructure. Totally. So here's an aerial shot during the flood in 1936. I'm surprised that the bridges didn't collapse. I am too, now that you say that. Like, shit, good bridges. This is wild, though. Like, it doesn't even look like a city. It looks kind of like, if I just glanced at it or whatever, I I would think it was, I don't know why I can't think of the word for this. I don't know, like a place where people go work and there's a bunch of, like, trucks and shit. Oh, okay, okay. Because, yeah, because it looks like, it doesn't look like a town right here. It looks like a weird yard full of trailers and trucks, like you said. Yeah, it's like when you take off from the airport and you see all the, like, industrial areas around the airport. That's yes, what it looks like. That's exactly it. The airport, you know, you know the one. You know the one airport. I have some more pictures that we can just flip through and you can describe if you don't mind. Okay. Okay, so in this one there are a bunch of people standing along the edge of the road, but instead of a road, it's a river. Oh my gosh. Okay, so then there's another one and this is in, you know, like a downtown area shopping area. There's a car that's flooded like halfway. There's a guy on a canoe just chilling. I mean, I'm sure he's not just chilling, but you know, he's like in the middle of the road where there would normally be a car. And there is a car. There's also a canoe. Just floating around. I'm like, where are you going? It's so crazy. Look how close like the telephone wires are to the water. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's freaky. Okay. Wow. This is really scary. So here there's a two story house and there's like, you know, a little overhang roof thing on the above the first story and the people are climbing out of the second story onto the roof because it's so flooded that they can't get out the bottom of their house that's so scary also i just realized i said it was two stories it's three stories anyway anyway it's an attic with a window um some more absolutely decimated flooded houses and i think like this one shocked me because of how high this one is it's almost like the top of the front door I mean, yeah, I guess if it was flooding up to 40 feet some places, then this is only what, like five feet? Right. I mean, yeah, it's just crazy to see like the transition of like here, you know, I just like look at the doors. So like here it's not to the door yet. Then it's up the door some. Then we're like, you know, eh. and now we're like, yeah. Also, I guess if we're saying it's like whatever, 40, whatever feet, it's probably above the sea level or river level or whatever. So it's probably not just like you know, some people live higher up. Yeah, yeah. So that's what 46 feet was 21 feet above the flood level. What does flood level mean, though? Probably just wherever that I'm assuming my guess in my head that I've been thinking of was just wherever they live, what they would consider flooding, it would hit 21 feet above that. Okay. All right. So something else I found in my research after reading all of the horrible things that happened to people and their communities was a little bit like um, pouring salt in the wound, like kicking you when you're down. So civic organizations in the city, which had financial backing from the city of Pittsburgh, Allegheny County, and the Chamber of Commerce, had been asking the federal government to help with flood control for almost 30 years. Oh, well, it's almost like you know what bad things could happen and the government's like, no, sorry, it's not real. Ha ha ha. You'll be fine. We'll deal with it when it happens. But then they don't actually deal with it when it happens anyway. They're like, nothing happened. So in August of 1935, about six months before the worst flood in history occurred, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill for nine flood control reservoirs to be built above Pittsburgh. So six months before, they were like, "Okay, we're going to build this shit. 
like, let's get it fixed for you. Yeah. But the Senate was still debating on this bill on St. Patrick's Day of 1936. Which is when it happened. Which is the day the big flood happened. Like, maybe don't debate. Maybe trust the people who know what the fuck they're doing and give them the money. They need to do what they need to do. Especially when one fucking part of the government already said, yes, you need this. Like, why are you still fighting it? Since the flood, calls were heard for the construction of a dam upstream on the Allegheny River to prevent future floods of this magnitude. Laws providing for the construction of the dam were passed in 36 and 38, but it would take almost three decades before the Kinzua Dam was completed in 1965. I guess that's not something you want to fuck around with and build in a day, you know? Rome wasn't built in a day. It wasn't, but also, like... 30 years is a long time. 30 years is a long time. One last interesting thing, the next time you're in Pittsburgh, you can actually see flood lines on some buildings downtown marking the height of the water level, and I have a picture of that that I'm going to show you to finish it out. I think this is cool shit. Oh, okay. So it says all-time high watermark, 46 feet, March 18th, 1936, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And it's just like a plaque on the side of a building. I wish we could see how high up it was compared to the ground. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if I can find one before we post it. I'll try. This is the only one I found before, but I didn't search super hard. So anyways, wowza, zoinks, that's my flood story. That was incredibly depressing. Um, Wow, okay. Well... On that lovely note, um, yeah, come back and join us next week for a couple smaller, maybe lighter stories, but who fucking knows? Yeah. So next week is our detour episode where Taylor and I will each tell you a little mini story. Mine is about a cryptid from the state of Pennsylvania, and it's probably not the one you're thinking of. Mm, I wasn't thinking of one, so I guess there's two I need to look up. There's one, I guess. Uh, shit, I can't remember what it's called. Like, I want to say it's called like a s- squash. <laughs> It's not a squash. A squash. A squab. A squab. squab. Is that a thing? Oh, I feel like that's offensive. It probably is. I hope hope you piss a lot of people off. I think that... Nope. I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, maybe tell us next week. Wait, I'm thinking of a squib from Harry Potter. What is that? It's uh, if your parents are both witches and wizards and you're not, you're a squib. Oh. So like Filch was a squib. Oh, I didn't know that about him. Yeah. Anyway, so I think that's what I was thinking of. Hopefully there's not another offensive word. That's funny that Shauna was thinking that a cryptid was from Harry Potter. Anyway, but yeah, there's one that a million podcasts have done stories about and I was going to cover it, but I was like, "Mm, you can go listen to someone else's and I'll do one that is a little lesser known. Especially because it's like a shallow dive. So if it's one that a bunch of other people have done, they're going to go into more detail. So it's like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. And I want to learn about the uncovered one. Yes. I mean, I'm sure it's been covered. Well, right. I haven't chosen mine yet, so it's going to be a freaking surprise. All right. I'm excited. I hope it's like mildly less depressing. I can make that my goal. Okay. Because last time we had a, you know, fireworks incident. Mm -hmm. It's just been been a lot of mass death. I've been doing a lot of really depressing ones. It doesn't reflect the state of my mental health. No, not at all. No, no, no. It's fine. I'm fine. It's all great. So anyways, again, you can check out our photos on BadTripPod.com and our Instagram at BadTripPod. And we'd love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a positive review. If you have any creepy stories you want to tell us or anything about, you know, any of our previous or upcoming states that maybe you want us to read on the podcast, you can email us at BadTripPod at gmail.com or we have a submission form on our website that makes it pretty easy and it'll just send it straight to us. Yes. And if you have feedback about the show, we'd love to hear that as well. Constructive criticism, whatever. 
Yeah. And, you know, I guess we'll see you next time. Yes, we will. On this bad trip.